Who has the authority to tell you what to do? Sometimes we rebel as we are pushed to conform to someone else's commands. It seems the more our grandchildren are told they must go to bed or must do this or must do that, the more they want to stay up and do the opposite. But is there someone whom we must obey? Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with The Navigators. Thank you so much for joining us today for this second of three podcasts regarding our objective. In this season of New Year's resolutions, on the last podcast, we talked about the importance of having a goal or objective in life. The Kansas Communities Ministry has adopted the following as our objective, which has been a guiding principle for our lives. My objective is to know Christ in my own life in ever-increasing depth and to make disciples and develop laborers at all times under any conditions in every place I go. You know, last time we talked about some of what the Bible means by knowing Christ. We discussed that this means, among other things, a loving obedience to Him abiding in Him in full dependence, and imitating Christ. This week we're going to look at the second part of our objective, which is to make disciples and develop laborers. Who really has the authority to tell us what to do? The story is told of a captain of a ship who looked into the dark night and saw a light in the distance. Immediately he told his signalman to send a message, Alter your course ten degrees south. He promptly received a reply, Alter your course 10 degrees north. Well, the furious captain sent another message, Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a captain. Soon another reply was received, Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a seaman, 3rd class Jones. The captain sent a final message, Alter your course 10 degrees south. I am a battleship. The reply was, Alter your course 10 degrees north. I am a lighthouse. We must not try to direct our own lives, but yield the direction to the one who has the authority, in this case, to Jesus. Jesus has the authority to command us, doesn't he? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me, that is Jesus, in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus has the authority to give this command, just like that lighthouse had the authority to tell the ship the correct heading. If you have placed your faith in Jesus alone for eternal life, then your master is the Lord Jesus. As believers in him, we yield to what he says is critical to do in this life. Another key verse besides Matthew 28:18-20 is 2 Timothy 2:2. Quote, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. End quote. Paul was talking to Timothy in this passage and describing four generations of passing on the faith. This really describes the laborers component of our task. We not only teach and encourage the first generation to be followers of Jesus, but in our mind we also have that second, third, and fourth generation of disciple-makers in mind, the laborers, those who have it as their, quote, front-of-mind goal, end quote, to teach and train others to walk with the Lord, to share their faith, and to disciple others. 
In Matthew 9, 36-38, it says, Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and downcast, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. End quote. We are to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers or laborers into his harvest. Disciple-making has three components, evangelizing, establishing, and equipping. Let's look at each of these three briefly. Evangelize. The first step in disciple-making is to evangelize. To evangelize simply means to share the good news of the gospel with someone and help them to come to a saving knowledge of the truth. What is the gospel? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It is to believe on the Lord Jesus for everlasting life. Who does the work of convicting of sin? (laughs) Thankfully, it's not up to you and me to tell others of their faults, even though we like to do that. It is indeed up to the Holy Spirit. John 16, verses 7 and 8 says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I am leaving. For if I do not leave, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world regarding sin and righteousness and judgment. So our job is to demonstrate the gospel in our lives as well as to verbally explain it to those who do not yet know him. John 3.16 and John 6.47 in particular says, quote, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life, end quote. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin. We don't have to do that. The Holy Spirit is the one who draws the person to a saving knowledge. Our job is to be available to be used by God to explain the truth of John 3.16, that a person must believe in Jesus alone for eternal life, not depending on any works that we do. So the first task in disciple-making is to evangelize. The second one is to establish someone in their faith, to establish. You know, when a baby is born, he or she is quite helpless. My wife and I saw that on display this last weekend as we gathered for a Christmas celebration with our children and grandchildren. Our new six-week-old grandson was there and reminded us of how much work they are. They're also a great source of joy, though. But babies require a lot of attention. They require feeding, bathing, changing. Essentially, total care is required for the first few weeks and months of life. In the same way, a baby Christian, or perhaps a Christian who has not grown much over the years, requires a lot of personal TLC. I think the church has commonly taken Matthew twenty-eight eighteen through 20 as a command to evangelize those who do not know Jesus yet. And while that's a part of it, it's not the whole picture in this passage. Because look at the passage again. Jesus didn't say to just make converts. He said to make disciples. This involves encouraging them to look to Jesus by getting into his word on a regular basis, by praying on a regular basis, and having fellowship with other believers in a good Bible-teaching church. It means a process of spiritual growth, usually over a period of months or years, with ongoing encouragement and faithful example. 
So the first component of making disciples is to evangelize, introducing people to Christ. The second component is to establish them in their walk with the Lord on a daily basis. Thirdly, in disciple-making, our job is to equip the disciple for service. We are to teach him or her the basics of the faith. We are to help them share their faith in natural and authentic ways as the Spirit leads. We are to teach, model, and pray for people that we are helping. Our goal, however, is not fully accomplished even after we have evangelized, established, and equipped someone. We need to have the mindset of that second, third, and fourth generation that Timothy was talking that Paul was talking about in Second Timothy. We desire to see them reproduce and make more disciples. In fact, our goal is to make disciple makers. We received a missionary prayer letter recently which stated, I train disciple makers by sharing the gospel with them, helping them grow in their faith, and equipping them to do the same with others, end quote. I train disciple makers, not just disciples, but disciple makers. You know, all of this, however, must be bathed in prayer continuously. We must be faithful in prayer for the unbeliever that we will be sensitive to where they are and meet them at their point of need and understanding. We must be faithful in prayer for the baby Christian that they would be protected from satanic attack and that they would grow in their faith walk. We also have to be faithful in prayer for the established disciple, that they would catch that vision of being equipped to make other disciples and to reproduce that process over and over and over again until Jesus comes. So I ask you, what is your objective? What is your New Year's resolution? How do you make decisions as to what you are to be about? I invite you to join the Kansas Community's ministry in adopting as your objective, quote, to know Christ in my own life in ever-increasing depth and to make disciples and develop laborers at all times under any conditions in every place I go, end quote. Next time we will look at the third component of our objective, which is the concept of making disciples and developing laborers everywhere we are, at all times, under any conditions, in every place we are. Thank you so much for listening today. I invite you back next time as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.